You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hi, it's Julie. Thanks for tuning in to Served Up as we celebrate Bourbon Heritage Month of September and Hispanic Heritage Month. We have a double whammy for you. I'm thrilled to introduce Elba Giron. Elba shares her La Mesa story, sharing her multicultural heritage from El Salvador and Cuba, the love of music, dance, and most importantly, sharing food and conversations around a table. Her passion for fresh flavors has crafted her career and brought her to her dream job as the first Latina Maker's Mark bourbon diplomat. Now sit back, grab a Maker's Mark mojo old-fashioned, and get inspired. Alba, we're so excited to have you on Served Up. Thank you for being on our show today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to looking forward to being here with you guys. Absolutely. You know, we would love to know, and I know our listeners would love to know a little bit more about yourself, Alba. You know, where did you come from and what has your journey been like into the beverage world? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to start, I am born and raised in New Jersey. I know sometimes we get a bad rap, but at the same time, there's just so, so many awesome people that I've been able to work with that have connected me into this industry. Um, One of my mentors, Tad Carducci, who you all may know, really gave me my footing into the real world of of hospitality. Um, I started really at a young age of 18 years old at the time where you could serve alcohol, you weren't allowed to drink, but I, I took a job at medieval times when I was right out of high school and the bar manager there kind of just, just gave me a shot, kind of taught me how to pour strawberry daiquiris out of a frozen drink machine. I think that was the nemesis for all of us, but it was really kind of just my taste into that world. And of course, you know, working through college, the excitement is how do I become a bartender, right? Because that's that's the route that we all want to go down. So I took a mixology class or a bartending class at a local school. And fast forward, you know, I started really dabbling more into the fine dining part of the industry with some of the restaurants in New Jersey, in New Jersey, who had some some well-known chefs that were consulting and really just elevating that culinary experience. Um, I always feel like New Jersey is just so many years behind everyone else. But when we finally catch on, you know, it's an excitement, it's an adrenaline, like, oh my God, we're doing something exciting. But you know, New York's like 10 years behind or ahead, I should say. But yeah, if I look back, man, I I definitely can thank Medieval Times for giving me a taste. Um, But then connecting with, you know, I said Tad Carducci, but you know, he opened the doors um, for me almost 15 years ago. And I got to learn who Julie Reiner was when she owned the Flatiron Room uh, on a very 
distant occasion, Bridget, I had a chance to see you in action at Tales of the Cocktail back in 2008. So is seeing all of these, you know, icons and just the, the bartenders who were just paving the way for us um, and really teaching everyone, not just bartenders, but, you know, just the hospitality professionals, what the, cul- the culinary approach to cocktails was. And I feel like that has driven me into the path of where I'm at today, you know, where I get to work on a brand like Maker's Mark and infuse all of the all of the learnings that I've had over the past few, you know, past few years, you know, working on a supplier side, it's so different. But when you really have the foundation as a bartender and just understand what it means to push your sleeves back and just get in and it, it helps to really create that bond and, and that conversation um, helps to have that conversation with the bartenders today. That's a great story. And, and I didn't know that you were born and raised in New Jersey and, and you're still there. So you must really like it. And, and that's great. Tell us a little bit about your childhood and growing up and, and how has that kind of influenced your style and, and your passion for hospitality? Oh, absolutely. So I am Latina. I am a first-generation American-born to a mother who is Cuban and a father who is or was El Salvadorian. Uh, My dad passed away not too long ago, but Mm. so much of who they are, who he was, has translated into who I am. Um, The work ethic, knowing that, you know, uh, my parents who came to this country as immigrants work so hard to just have food on the table, make sure we had, you know, new clothes for the school year as best as possible. And with no hesitation ever made us feel like anything was missing. And through the years growing up and, and realizing how much they sacrificed, I think so many of, I personally can relate to their, to just their journey but then also want to put so much more passion behind what I'm doing to make them proud. You know, for me, it's been making sure that the name I carry and the legacy I leave behind, no matter how small or big the project is that I'm working on, always carries through the integrity of our family. But that is something that will, that's, that's something you can't even, that's something you can't even teach. It's something that's just such an in, instinctual and just for me, such a drives the passion that I put into the work that I do. And of course, in everything that I've done throughout my career as a bartender and now on the supplier side. Thank you so much for being open about that and for sharing. And I'm very sorry to hear that your dad has, has passed. Being that you're a Latina, Can you talk to us about what is truly unique and special about the Latina community? Absolutely. I think first and foremost, it's this community of family, regardless of who you are, if you've known said person who's coming over. I mean, it's just this feeling that no matter how close or how distant you are to someone, you are always welcome. Um, You know, every time that I can think about whether it's a family party that we've had, or I've had friends coming over for the first time, my mom has always been the first one to open that door to welcome you in. And I feel like that's just really what drives the hospitality industry. We want everyone to feel welcomed, included, 
And maybe because, you know, for the longest time, I feel as a Latina, I hesitated to even use my voice to speak up, to be proud of the culture and the the uh, traditions, the traditions that we are so accustomed to at home, but because we don't know how to explain or portray or, you know, share that, we, we kind of just hinder it. And I've learned so much over the years that, you know, making our traditions just feel feel more welcomed. I mean, that has driven me. And it's still today one of my biggest passion points of making everyone feel included. doesn't matter on what level, what capacity, how much you know, how much you don't know, but it's just that integrity of, of our culture of being inclusive and, and creating these traditions. And talk about food and music, you know, if we get to that point, that's just... I feel like it just drives joy for me. It drives the joy in who I am and in wanting to make sure that when I'm with people, I can, I can share that piece with them too. Yeah. I love that you say that because I think that for a lot of us that grew up with, you know, immigrant parents, um, growing up in the States and is we kind of try to hide our cultures growing up, you know, because you want to fit in. So you don't really want them to right. know like what you're eating or how you celebrate or, or what, um, what the weekends look like or what family gatherings look like or what Thanksgiving looks like. Cause it's right. different, but I feel like we're in such a new time now. And, and I think what you say about inclusivity is kind of, um, like we have a responsibility with that as well. You've got to like share in order to be inclusive, because without awareness, how, do, how are you inclusive, right? If you don't know about these other cultures. So I think it's just so wonderful that it's at a time where we could really share very specific, unique um, traditions and cultures to be more inclusive. Um, and I think that's a very special thing. And I just have to tell a quick story because, you know, my mom's Korean American and I moved to Miami, which is like a world of difference from where I grew up. And not a lot of Asian people, more now, but not really. And, and, you know, very Cuban culture traditions. And my mom would come visit me and she's like this little Korean lady, you know, and looks very conservative. And, um, you know, here during certain times of the day, it just pours, right? So we went into like a little Cuban cafecito shop, like just to like stand there while it was pouring because we couldn't even get to our car. And um, the lady behind the bar, uh, you know, making the cafecitos and another guy, like they had the music on and they're just dancing salsa and like having a party on their own. And my mom just starts dancing. <laughs> She's so That's funny. And awesome. she just started dancing. And I'm at first I'm like, oh, my well, mom, what are you doing? Like, I'm a little embarrassed, you know, and this was a few years ago. And she just started and we all just started dancing together. And I'll never forget that. Um, so I guess, you know, the whole point of the story is I feel like the Latina and Latin culture are so inclusive, you know, and, and especially when it's around eating, singing and dancing. Absolutely. As you, you know, kind of get into your role with Maker's Mark, how did you kind of stumble upon that? Because that's no joke, you know, being a diplomat for Maker's Mark, um, one of the greatest iconic brands, um, I think, in the world. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, it's been such an amazingly fulfilling journey. 
And, you know, the joke at the distillery is that we drink the Kool-Aid and however you want to interpret that. I mean, it's just such a passion that we all have getting to work on a brand like Makers and being allowed to express ourselves through the creative outlets in the activations that we do. But my journey was pretty unique. Um, You know, I got scouted, if you will, or it was actually my first meeting with Jane Bowie, I was hosting a selection. Um, Although I was born and raised in New Jersey, I took a a four-year hiatus, if you will. And I lived in Charleston, South Carolina. And I remember hosting my first customer at the distillery for our private selection barrel program and sitting to be, you know, in the tasting room, in the cellar, if you haven't been to Makers, I mean, it is definitely a destination to, to visit. But this beautiful limestone cellar, which of course, you know, on a summer day is one of the favorite places to be because it is well, at least 50 degrees at any given point. But I remember sitting in the tasting room and Jane was hosting our selection and we just got to talking whiskey. I spent a few years prior to working with makers. Uh, I spent almost four years working for Edrington, uh, the Edrington Americas group, which, you know, of course, you may be familiar with the McAllen and Highland Park and some of those brands. And it really, I give, you know, I give a lot of my, my education and, and really just the door opening for me. Um, I give a lot of thanks to Edrington, but as I sat in this room, talking whiskey, tasting through the private selection whiskeys, of course, we just hit it off. And sure enough, I had no intentions of moving back to New Jersey. I mean, Charleston is pretty much the best place to be 10 months out of the year. And if you've been, you understand. But I also had my family here. And with Jane reaching out and the team asking if I would consider applying for the role, of course, at that time, it was a New York, New Jersey distillery diplomat role. I couldn't turn it down. I I love the brand. The idea of moving back home excited me at the time and, you know, leave it to my faith. I put everything, you know, just kind of, I pushed all my cards in however the saying goes, but I just kind of let the process roll out. And sure enough, I've been able to quite a few significant people that work for Beam Centauri uh, today who really, who really mentored me in the process but also really spoke highly of, of my work and everything that I had done to that point to Jane and, and of course, Rob and Bill Samuels, um, but ultimately giving me that, asking me to take that position, which, you know, again, as, and I'm glad and I'm grateful to say that I'm the only Latina on the Makers Mark team, not the only, but for now, and I can express myself. I've never been pushed to the side. In fact, I've been encouraged and have been empowered to speak up, not just with the ideas, but also the inclusion of my culture. And of course, in thinking about the market and making sure that what what we're working on in activations or education, it's relevant and it's mm-hmm. engaging and it's, it's impactful more than anything. I love that. I love that Makers is so open to be inclusive because a lot of times we think of bourbon, we think of Kentucky, we think of good old boys, you know, we don't always think of other cultures. And I know that as we are in um, September is, you know, a time for us to really to celebrate your heritage month. It's so amazing. And from what I hear, you have, you know, a really awesome program that you are introducing. I would love to know more about that. 
It is not only Bourbon Heritage Month through the month of September, but we celebrate in the middle of September through October, Hispanic Heritage Month. And we got together. And when I say we makers um, asked me to be a part of their conversations last year, and we kicked off a small program in New Jersey where we took our classic Maker's Mark label, right? That beautiful can-torn craft label across that bottle. And you, as a consumer, can go on our website and personalize your own label for your maker's bottle. If it's for Christmas or a holiday or any celebration, you can go on there. For me, it was so important. And I was, I was so overwhelmed and grateful that makers felt the same way we were able to translate that same label. And that was really what kind of kicked off these passion conversations about how how do we come to the table authentically, right? How do we share the heritage of our classic American whiskey, American bourbon whiskey across all of the distilleries, but of course, kind of with the voice of makers kind of leading that conversation. And we all sat down and we came together really in a way that like Latino traditions, the best conversations are had at the table, whether it is at the beginning of the party, the best is at the end when you've had a couple of glasses of whiskey to share. But the idea is that you really break bread. You really have the in-depth quality conversations around the table. So we're kicking off a program this Hispanic Heritage Month called La Mesa Makers to do exactly just that, to connect with the community, connect with the bartenders, the distributor partners. I said community, but I really stress the community and not just give them or share the education of what classic whiskey is, but no, it's more about celebrating that moment, celebrating the remarkable person and really elevating the fact that we can bridge these cultures together and share the flavors in our food, in our cocktails, and really create this, I mean, just a great bonding experience more than anything. Um, so we kicked that off here, you know, September 15th celebrates over 22 Latino nations, if you will, all across, you know, Central America, South America, the Caribbean, um, and through October 15th. And of course, throughout the year as well, but just this one month that we get to really highlight and just celebrate the traditions that can, can continue bringing us together. And I think after the year that we, the year and a half that we've all had and just, you know, it's been phenomenal just to be able to get back to that in-person community and and just bonding um, that we all looked forward to. And I feel like in many ways, we all took for granted prior. Yes, I agree. And and we're super excited um, to be a part of launching this program. And so for our listeners that that might not know, what is um, what is the translation for La Mesa, and what is what does that mean to you personally and your your story? Sure. So La Mesa is the table, and of course, when you say it, the table makers, the makers' table is probably the best way mm-hmm. to translate it. Because what I've learned is Spanish translations can be pretty wonky. So careful that you know some words aren't literal. But the makers' table, right? For me, is it's a safe space where I can share my thoughts, desires, really just my ambitions, my passions, uh, what it is, my goals that I want to work on, whether it's with makers or personal, or even just in the community itself. You know, I, I'm looking forward to hosting a series of dinners where I can bring the experience of flavor 
led through makers, but really highlighting, you know, what the chef is doing at the restaurant, how the bartender is bringing those flavors together in their cocktails to create this meal. But it just still for, for La Mesa makers, it's just bringing this unique way of just getting together and just really being in the moment. And just for whatever it's worth, I mean, just chit-chatting or bochinche. I can't think of another word because it probably includes a profanity. But, you know, in the same breath, it's like when, when you have girls' night and you're all sitting around the table drinking wine, it, it's the same concept. We're all sitting around the table. We're all just kind of getting to know each other, really digging deeper and building this community and this connection that sometimes, you know what, with the bar in between, you really can't get too much, especially if your bartender is two or three deep. So. Absolutely. And you talked really about the spirit and the flavor, you know, those beautiful Latin flavors that make us want to dance, make us want to sing, really bring us to life in such a comforting, true way, right? It's so it's completely authentic. Can you talk about maybe some of the cocktails that you personally have created or that you have seen on menus even that really have that beautiful Latin flavor with the makers, Mark Bourbon? Because for a lot of our listeners, I think that they wouldn't really think of using bourbon with Latin flavors. So let, let's open their eyes Absolutely. to the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, I, I have a few great cocktails and I'm not going to say I created them. I won't take credit and I will absolutely give credit to those bartenders. But I am, and I tell you, I drink the Kool-Aid. I put bourbon in everything, whether it's a piña colada, a mojito, classic daiquiri. Oh my God. Fresh lime juice, simple syrup, and bourbon. I mean, you name it. I am that girl that will get the side eye from the bartender because I'm asking them to, you know, substitute the rum or the gin or the tequila or mezcal for Makers or Makers 46. I mean, I put Makers 46 if they have it behind the bar in every single cocktail. But I've been grateful to work with a few bartenders here in the state of New Jersey. Uh, so I am going to give them a shout out. Eric Salbovero, um, who was the former beverage director of a restaurant group here in New Jersey, and Carlos Reese, who also is a bartender in New Jersey, really social media influencer, running his own company called Cocktails by Sea. But working through them, I've been able to not just infuse some of my flavors, because if I think of classic bourbon cocktails, flavors like mango or coconut in an old fashioned or tamarind. I mean, you can really play up a classic bourbon cocktail, especially with some of the bitters that have, that are, you know, that are, that have been created like mole bitters. So Carlos created last, last September for Hispanic Heritage Month, a, I believe it was a mole Manhattan or a mole old fashioned. Either way, it was maker's mark. It was simple syrup, I believe. And if that's the case, it's an old fashioned. He'll kill me for not knowing. But the mole bitters added just a touch of flavor. And Eric created a twist on a whiskey sour, right? Using some guava nectar, some fresh orange juice and and lemon juice. So just knowing that you can add or substitute an ingredient, a common ingredient like guava nectar for a whiskey sour or just there's so many outlets or at least there's so many ways to get creative without feeling like you're you're taken away from a classic cocktail and especially with this modern twist on classics that we're seeing it's giving that latin bartender the vehicle or at least that freedom that comfort of infusing these cocktails with you know their flavorful twists 
um, say that a few times after a cocktail. I love that. And Bridget, I'm so glad you asked that because especially being in a hot climate and being in Miami and South Florida, we're always looking for those refreshing drinks. And just because it's brown doesn't mean it can't be refreshing. And I think just combining them with some of those Latin flavors could really add so much dimension to, to the usual, but, you know, even just, I'm going to order my next classic daiquiri with the maker's mark for sure. And, and I love the idea of, um, having a cocktail with tamarind, uh, because that's a very common ingredient that, that we see here. Um, so you had mentioned that, you know, right now, and, and I know it's just the beginning, but, um, you are the only Latina working on the maker's mark, uh, global brand ambassador team. What do you see in the future and, and what do you want more out of this industry and, and specifically around kind of the, the whiskey industry in regards to diversity and, and women? That's a great question. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited on the Makers Mark team. Yes, I am the, the, the only Latina and I know that that'll change soon. We have another Latina on the ambassador team that works with Beam Centauri. And she's phenomenal. But I hope that as as we start to see just the diversification or building these genuine connections is what I hope to continue to see. I absolutely see how not just makers, but the industry as a whole is absolutely looking and receptive of that inclusivity. They want to offer the education to everyone on any in any kind of hospitality capacity, right? Whatever position you're in, we're eager and we're excited to share that education. You know, these stories that have such history in, in our culture per se, absolutely can be shared and passed along with the stories and, and the, the cultures that we are all lucky to share and experience. And I really, I, I just hope that this, just that freedom to allow yourself, you know, as far as the industry is concerned, um, that freedom to express, express yourself naturally and feeling like you have a voice and you can, you can share a, that space as well. And I hope that answers your question, you know, but in the same breath, I feel like in the hospitality industry as a whole, we feel that connection and, and we're absolutely embracing all of the cultures. And it's just exciting to see the, the level of engagement, even from those, from the people that are working in the hospitality industry right now that are just getting their feet wet and just kind of breaking in. So I mean, I, I think that we've seen it. We see the magic that happens, right? When, the further you diversify and, and have different people helping to make decisions and come up with new ideas that might not have had a voice or an opportunity to do before. And we see that magic um, that's being created, you know, such as the La Mesa program with Maker's Mark and, and so much more. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Alba, you brought up something at the beginning of this conversation, and that was, you know, you had really found your mentor in Ted Carducci. Ted is a mutual friend. I've known Ted for forever. And can you talk about the importance, you know, to our listeners who are maybe really trying to break through in this industry of finding a mentor, somebody who can champion your career, or at least get you started and maybe some tips on how to find that right mentor for you? That's such a great question. And even as I think back to all of the mentors, really is just don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid of asking the questions as simple as they might be. I mean, almost 15 years in my career, I still ask the simplest of questions because I don't know everything. And, you know, maybe if I did know the answer, someone can give me a different perspective that I can then share and be able to relate. But I feel like the biggest, the biggest piece of advice that I can share is don't let that intimidation, don't let that intimidation have you run away from those conversations or making the connections with who you look up to, whether it's, you know, the beverage director at your restaurant, whether it's the bartender, you know, at a neighboring bar or the ambassador that comes in to do a staff training. I think that's probably been the most exciting part as I continue to do these staff educations, the younger bartenders that, you know, ask me, oh, how did you get into this industry? How did you become an ambassador? What can I do in my career? It's been really rewarding to be able to share a little piece of my journey, but then try to offer some guidance. And it's funny, I'll share one story. And only because I recently reconnected with uh, a server I used to work at in in my first restaurant here in New Jersey that kind of elevated my career. But I, I did not remember this story until he brought it up to me. And he was excited, you know, young server, he was actually a runner, wanted to learn how to bartend. And I must have been sarcastic in my delivery. Fair enough. But when he asked me, what do I need to do to become a bartender? I simply handed him a a speed pour and I said, here, put this on a bottle, fill it up with water and practice your, your pours. If you can get your measurements right, you know, then we'll have a conversation. Now, 10 years later, he shares this story with me to tell me that that really left an impression with him, elevated his own journey don't know if he ever became a bartender, but he is in the supplier world today. And he still looks back and says that that was probably, you know, as silly as a speed pour in our, in that moment shared was to him, but still pretty iconic and left him feeling like, wow, like, okay, what does this girl know? Or what is she doing? Or fast forward in any case, point being is that maybe you get an invaluable piece of information in that moment, but it's what you do with it. That'll help to take your career to the next step. I love that. And that is good advice. I'm going to start practicing (laughs) speed for her. I mean, that's like (laughs) listeners, if you could take anything away, right? Imagine going to a bartender interview and being like, look at me um, do this. So that's fantastic. And, you know, I think you've really given our listeners so much of yourself and we thank you so much for sharing all of that and, and really um, hearing your passion and, um, you know, and your advice uh, for all those that are coming up in the business. What, what were some of your biggest challenges that, that somebody might have to overcome and, you know, and, and how did you overcome them? Wow. I think some of my biggest challenges might have been more personal. And I say that because as a Latina, you you learn to suppress your thoughts because you don't want to misspeak or you don't want to be misinterpreted. It's probably the culture of of how I was raised. You know, you have to respect your elders and and of course, you know, you, you don't speak out of turn. So I think having to relearn that it is okay to speak up. It is it is okay to have a thought and opinion and be respected amongst your peers. And while that sounds, you know, kind of sad, but in the same breath, it's it's helped me learn how to navigate that voice in a way that could be influential or impactful and not dominating. Um I you know, 
we learn so much that your tone in, in a meeting, in a, in a setting of sorts can be misconstrued and learning how to just I think the hard, the the hardest part, the challenge for me was learning the audience. And once you can understand that, once you can truly understand grace, you can then learn to use your voice much more, uh, much more impactful. I think a lot of people will relate to that. You know, it, it's not always easy to use your voice, especially in a work setting. You know, sometimes even with your friends or family. So I think that's really some solid advice that you just gave us. Elba, I think our listeners would love to know, and I know Julie and I would love to know, what do you think is next in the industry for the Latina Latin community, for that beautiful spirit, for the beautiful cuisine, and for the cocktails? Wow. I definitely think we have an advantage to be creative. So we can truly look at putting together, you know, experiences that are really embracing the culture. Um, you know, I, I sit in a position and I'm grateful to where I can look at and put together those experiences here in New Jersey for makers, for the Latinos. I'm looking forward to working with the bartending community. Um, just recently, I hosted a workshop and met so many other, you know, inspiring Latin bartenders here here in the state that are elevating, you know, the cocktail game. So working with them in an event, actually, I'll plug this in, but we're hosting. It's more of a bartender showcase here in New Jersey with with a group uh, that I'm proud to say that they are great friends and great collaborators, uh, Jersey Slingers. And we showcase bartenders throughout the entire state to really bring the community together. Um, probably one of the best industry nights that I've seen. And I've been in conversations with one of the organizers to showcase just that, the Latino bartenders that are across the state, that we can bring them together and showcase their talent and have more of that flavor kind of come to life. But I feel just as far as the education is concerned, hopefully bringing everyone together and maybe one day getting you all out to makers as well. If, if I have you know, the audience listening, of course, if you're ever in Kentucky, please make it a point to reach out and we'll set you up with that beautiful tour at the distillery. Um, but in the meantime, just looking to you know, safely bring everyone together through the holidays and continuing, continue building that community that we have here. Well, I think you just shared a tidbit of your next big ideas, a La Mesa Makers Live at the distillery to kick oh. off Hispanic Heritage Month, right? How oh. incredible would that be? <laughs> that would be amazing. Well, Alpha, it has been so great to, to get to learn more about you. And again, you know, your passion just comes across in everything you do. And um, we're just so excited that you were able to share that with all of our listeners today, you know, just representing that Latina community. And I think uh, such an inspiration for so many that are coming up in the business to see somebody like you. And we're just so excited to see where you're going to be in the next 10 years. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, as always, we, we just want to wish you a lot of peace during this time that we're living in and just amazing, good health, Alba, and keep kicking ass. You're doing great work, not just for your community, but for everyone. So we appreciate all your good work. And again, we can't wait to see what you do next, girl. So cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. 
Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!